0: door, and let's take our Bibles. We're going to turn to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel 17. How many of you have your Bible? Did you bring your Bible to church? That's good. All right. Some Those in junior church have their Bible as well, and uh, that's great. That's wonderful. First Samuel 17 and uh, start with uh, a couple of verses here. We'll read verses one through seven and uh, so when you find yourself there just hold your place. There was a young Christian man in a southern university who uh, joined the football program. He made the team as a starting wide receiver and he was a Christian young man and At the beginning of the season, he prayed to ask God to help him um, in the height of the games when emotions were high and uh, times where there could be a struggle when it came down to certain calls and being honest or dishonest, and he asked God in those moments to help him to be absolutely honest. He said, I pray for honest, that one mark of integrity, I want to be that, Lord, And he said, I'll work. He prayed, I'll work on it through the season. The rival team came that night, homecoming. Uh, He ran his route and uh, went into the end zone. The quarterback threw him the pass, and uh, the referee shouted, touchdown. But the boy knew that he had trapped the ball. He really hadn't caught it. He basically fell on top of it. And the stands were cheering and uh, they were sending him on his way. He made a touchdown. He was the hero of the game. He said, wait a minute. Can you imagine this? He uh, walked up to the referee, and he shook his head, and he said, I trapped the ball. The referee canceled the touchdown, and they lost the game because of that. That boy stood alone, not only against a team that said, what does it really matter, man? What does it matter? The referee said it was a touchdown. And he stood against the stands full of people. But he said, I can't take credit. I didn't catch the ball. Integrity, according to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, means wholeness, complete, to be unbroken. It shares a similar etymology with the word integer, which some of you that know math know that integer is a whole number, not a fraction. Integrity is the foundation of our character. It is what our character is built on. The character, they say, is who you are when nobody else is watching. But integrity is who you are on the inside. And is it, are you really a man of integrity or a person of integrity, a woman of integrity, if you are not on the inside who you are projecting to be on the outside? Integrity is inward truth, meaning a person of integrity will accurately reflect on the outside who they are inside. Today, we're going to look at a story of a man named David who had great strength against a powerful enemy because of his integrity. He was real from the inside out. Later in life, we know in Psalm 51, little boy David grows up to be King David, and later in life, he said to the Lord, in Psalm 51:6, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. And uh, in 1 Samuel seventeen, we have a story, probably one of the best, one, well, one of the most well-known stories in the Bible, the story of David and Goliath. So, if you would, let's stand together and read seven verses, and then I'll let you sit down. <clears throat> Verse Samuel 17, 1. Just read out loud if you would. We'll read down through verse 7 together. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shekak and belongeth to Judah and pitched between Shekak and Azekah Ezek- and ephes and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them, and there were, went out a champion out of the cha- camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, and he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing the shield went before him. Let's stop right there. Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your word today as we look at this giant. And Lord, we, we, all, have, uh, we all have, figuratively, we have giants in our life that we have to face. And we have Uh, Mountains to overcome and uh, Lord one of those one of the biggest mountains that we face on a daily basis is not the world and the devil, but it's our flesh Of course we face the world and the devil, but Lord our flesh is our biggest enemy Because it's with us at all times and uh, and we are uh constantly tempted Constantly tempted And so God I pray that you would help us to be people of integrity to not just project one image and be something different on the inside. But I pray that you'd help us to be honest from the inside out. Help us, Lord, to follow David's example, a young man who was standing when no other man would take the stand. No other man was really called, I believe, but also uh, they were there in battle, and it wasn't maybe their moment to do what you had called David to do, but at the same time, they were fighting a battle, and they were cowering, and they were not supposed to be cowering. I pray that you'd help us to be like David. And when you call us into uh, a situation where ne- somebody needs to take a stand and it's very clear that we are the one, help us to do the right thing. Help us to be honest inside and out. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please be seated. Make this correlation today between a man, a young man named David, and uh, a man who had integrity, although he was just a teenager. The story of David and Goliath well-known story. We notice here that Goliath, uh, he has a defiant challenge in verse 8. We heard about this man, but now he stands, a man who is six cubits in a, a span, tall. He's a very tall man, very uh, intimidating person. And he says in verse 8, he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then ye shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When he made this challenge, we see in verse 11 that the army saw they were dismayed. When Saul and all the Israel heard those words, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. A few verses later, we're told that Goliath did this every morning for 40 days. And... Um, in verse uh, verse 12, we uh, see David, a young man, is introduced here. Now, David was the son of the Ephratite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons. Jesse had eight sons. And uh, the man went among uh, men for an old man in the days of Saul. And there was the eldest of the sons of Jesse who went and followed Saul uh, the three eldest sons, and they went to battle. So when David comes down here, he finds his brothers in battle. The names of his three sons that went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, the next to him Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days we see David comes down with food for his brothers. He comes down to the battle, and I'm sure that, I imagine he wanted to see the war. He wanted to see what they were doing. He wanted to probably be involved with what was going on like a little brother would be. He wanted to, uh, to be a part of it. And I think of like our Nerf war here at the church. Sometimes we play uh, with the Nerf guns. The teenagers will, uh, will fight. And Of course, the younger brothers and sisters always want to be involved. But guess what happens to the little brothers and sisters if they get involved? Sometimes they get hurt, right? And uh, and it's not not as much fun. And we don't want the little kids to get hurt. So we say, you go down to the nursery, all right? Just like David. You go back out to the sheep, David. You're not supposed to be here with the men battling. But when he got there, there was no battle being fought. Uh, Instead, Goliath comes out cursing and defying the armies of Israel. And the soldiers are afraid of Goliath. Look how big he is. This man is a giant. He's bigger than everyone. The Bible says in Matthew 19, Jesus says in verse 26, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. There's a lot of things in our life that God has called us to do that are impossible to do. But the Bible tells us very clearly that what God has called us to do should not be done in our flesh or in our power upon our own strength. We need God's help to do anything. And especially when it comes to His calling in our life, we cannot do anything in our own flesh. We should not do anything in our own flesh. But sometimes we see things going on, like David here, we're baffled. We're baffled that nobody is saying or doing anything. Uh, In this scenario, uh, David uh, asked the question, basically, why doesn't somebody do something? So he decides himself to go and fight the giant. And uh, he's armed with only his sling and five smooth stones. You know the story. But I want to see how it applies to our life today. Uh, I want to see how it applies to how we think about uh, our lives and even the power of integrity to defeat giants in our life. Number one today, I want to see persistence. Persistence. We all have giants in our lives. We also have experts in our lives who can explain why it can't be done. We have family in our lives. We have leadership in our lives who aren't very encouraging at times. But if we know we're doing the right thing, we need to keep going. A person of integrity is persistent. When they know that they're doing the right thing, you need to just keep going. Going it doesn't matter what the giants are. It doesn't matter what the experts say It doesn't matter what family says it doesn't matter even what leadership says It doesn't matter what the government says if it's the right thing to do we need to just keep going We see here uh, number one Goliath verse 10. We already read it, but we saw Goliath Goliath and the Philistines said I defy the army armies of Israel this day He was defiant and uh, he wanted to fight and then letter B, we see the Israelite army. They were the experts. Verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. But then we see in verse number 24, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they saw the giant, they fled for him and were sore afraid. Many times the experts in our lives, whatever your giant is, whatever your uh, issue is, whatever your sin that you're trying to overcome, your addiction, or what, uh, whatever uh, you're struggling with, Um, whatever it is that God has called you to do that you don't even know how it could be done, but you know God called you to do it, when the giants and even the experts say it can't be done, you need to just be persistent and keep on going. A man of integrity, a person of integrity will keep on going. The army was dismayed. There's going to be people all around who will say it can't be done. They'll make all kinds of excuses. Uh, They will even attack us at times. Isn't it amazing Uh, that there will be people in your life that will be encouraging you? But then when you start finding a little bit of success and you start uh, moving ahead and progressing, then they start attacking us for some reason. I don't know why that is. Sometimes people don't like other people to be successful. But it doesn't matter. You have to keep on going. Then we see a letter C. We see family. We see Eliab, the oldest brother. Verse number 28. Eliab talks to David. Uh, Eliab said, he heard... In verse 28, when he heard, uh, when he spake to the men, when David speaks to the men, uh, basically verse 27, uh, or verse 26, let's look at that. David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth his Phil- this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, this giant, that he should defy the armies of the living God? Why isn't somebody doing something? Why isn't somebody saying something? Why isn't somebody dealing with this man? Verse 27, the people answered after this manner, saying, so shall it be done uh, to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. Eliab's anger was kindled against David. Now this is his brother, this is his family. Uh, And David, all is David saying is, come on, let's do something about the giant. And his anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou down hither? Why'd you come here? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? We find that famous phrase in verse 29, is there not a cause? Essentially, David is saying, for what cause are you coming uh, down on me? What in the world have I done except ask, why doesn't somebody do something about this wicked Philistine giant? He is attacking our God. He is defying our God. And somebody needs to do something. There's going to be family uh, in your life. There'll be family that will criticize you. There'll be family that will get on your case for trying to do the right thing. And then we also see leadership. Verse 33, we even see a man named Saul. The Bible says here, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, and I love what he says here, we see the experts, we see the family, we see leadership. I mean, man, this is King Saul. This is the man who was head and, above, uh, head and shoulders above all Israel. This is the man that should be out there fighting the Philistine. This is the, the commander-in-chief. And this man, uh, this man didn't have the guts to do what he was supposed to do. And all these people criticized David because he merely suggested that somebody do something if you start listening to those in your life who say that, that you haven't got what it takes to, to be victorious, to be, a, uh, to be able to overcome sin and to be able to overcome temptation, the people that laugh at you and discourage you, if you start listening to them, you and I, if we listen to them, we will be defeated before the battle even starts. You better learn to turn off the negative voices and get along with God. Get your eyes on the Lord. Get your eyes off of the giants. Get your eyes off of the experts, so-called. Get your eyes off of the family if they're discouraging you. And, and sometimes we have to say, you know what? The leadership, we thank God for godly leadership. But there are some leaders that are not doing the right thing. So what God has called you to do, you need to do His will. No matter what discouragement you might face. That is a good question this morning. What has God called you to do? God's called everyone to do something. What has God called you to do? Are you doing God's will? If you aren't doing God's will, why aren't you doing God's will? James 4.17 is a, a stern reminder that if a man knoweth to do what is right, to him that knoweth to do good, if you know what to do, If you know what God has called you to do and you don't do it, James says that it is sin. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If we know that we're supposed to be doing something for God and we're not doing it, that reveals a break in our integrity. Because what we're doing is is not reflecting what we know we're supposed to be doing. We're doing something other than what God has called us to do. That is a break in our integrity. Persistence. Persistence. We need to keep on going. By the way, persistence will bring persecution. You might be thinking, well, uh, if if I'm doing God's will and I'm getting all of this negative feedback and I'm getting all of this attack, then I must not be doing the right thing. Is that true or wrong? Is that true or false? Because... Because you're doing the right thing, many times you will be persecuted. Persistence will bring persecution. Persistence will bring attack, criticism, ridicule. When you're consistently doing the right thing, it doesn't matter what it is, whether uh, you're starting a business, whether you're going to school or college, whether you're trying to make good grades, whether you're trying to uh, live a pure life, whether you are uh, learning a new instrument, maybe you want to play in the orchestra or you want to be involved in ministry, uh, whether you're uh, working out or dieting, whether you're saving your money, and here's, there's some spiritual things here and some, just some regular everyday life things. Of course, all things, I believe, have, spiritual, uh, have a spiritual uh, commodity to them. Whether you're paying off debt, Somebody's saying, that's totally secular, Pastor. No, I believe that has some spiritual implications as well. Disciplining your children. When you're consistently doing the right thing, you're going to receive negative feedback from somebody, if not a lot of somebodies. If you're working on your marriage, believe it or not, you're going to have negative feedback from people. You're always going to have somebody that tells you how to do it and what you're not doing Right? Of course, the people that are experts on marriage have either never been married or they've been married five times. <laughs> and the experts on children, most of them have not had children. Okay? So if you don't have children, don't give advice to those that do. Uh, waiting on God's best and staying pure. Maybe you're serving God. Whatever it is, you're going to receive negative feedback. Expect it. Expect it but be persistent. I heard this one this week A friend of mine shared this haters. Do you know what a hater is? Haters. I love uh, as you know, I love um, Acrostics as we talked on Thursday night, right? It's not sticks, It's not cue sticks. It's acrostics, right? Miss Kathy She helped me out with that and she keep me on the straight and narrow over there So acrostic for haters haters Having anger towards everyone reaching success. Haters. You're gonna have you're gonna have haters in your life. That doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. Having anger towards everyone reaching success, haters. That's not where the word came from, but it's an acrostic, okay? You're going to have people that just hate on you because you're just trying to do right, because you're going forward, because uh, because believe it or not, when you are uh, being successful for God, that makes other people that aren't doing the right thing. It makes them look bad. Makes them look bad. It's not that we're trying to make other people look bad, but uh, you know, as they say, misery loves company. And uh, you're leaving the company, okay? You're leaving their company. And you're, like, you're not miserable anymore. I wish you'd come back to where we're at and be miserable with us. Don't be a a hater, and don't worry about the haters. All right. Uh, I've got a poem for you called Don't Quit by Edgar Guest, and he's the one that's been attributed. Of course, there's other people that, they're not sure who wrote the poem, but I've heard this poem many times, I'm just going to give you a part of it. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and when you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, Rest if you must, but don't quit. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when you're hardest hit. It's when things seem worse that you mustn't quit. We see that David was discouraged by a lot of people in his life to do the right thing, but he did It anyways because he was a man of integrity he knew in his heart that that god needed a man God needed somebody to stand up and do what was right and he was the one that was called to do that And so he just continued on no matter what It obviously could have been easy for him as a young man to say, you know what? (laughs) If if all of these big boys out here aren't doing the right thing, why should I have to do anything? I think of joseph and daniel two young men who were away from their family away from their family, uh, both of them basically in captivity. They were captive to the king, and uh, and in in Joseph's case, he was a slave for Potiphar. But they were away from their homes, and it could have been easy for them to just say, you know what, nobody else is watching, nobody else is here, Uh, and, uh, you know, this is unfamiliar to me. I'm just going to go with the flow. And I'm going to just not try to make any waves. I'm going to try to just stay below the radar because I don't want to get into trouble. But I'm telling you right now, we need some men like Joseph. We need some men like Daniel. We need some men like Micaiah, as we saw last week. We need some men like David who are going to do the right thing no matter what because they're men of integrity. If it's right, it's right. It's right, it's right. If it was right in 1849, it's right in 2023. The Bible is still God's word, and God does not change. We need to take a stand on truth. So we see not only persistence, but secondly, we see progression. A person of integrity is consistent. They don't live in the past. They don't focus on past victories. Praise God for the past victories. But uh, they don't focus on the good things they used to do. But rather they, they use their experience to conquer bigger giants. Exercising our faith in God will lead us to greater victories. Amen? And why does God continually cause us to go through uh, through uh, battles and trials and temptations? Because he wants to grow our faith. He doesn't want us to just days where we were five years ago. He wants us to continually grow spiritually because he's got more for us to do. You have not reached your potential. I've not reached my potential. And that's a blessing because we get to keep growing. But a person of integrity is consistently growing. When King Saul told David, you can't fight Goliath, David told him, we read it, verse 34. He told the story about the lion and the bear, how they came when he was a shepherd. They came and they took a lamb from his flock. You know, David could have said, well, you know what, it's just one. (laughs) I've got all these other ones, just one. One's okay. But no, the Bible says that he went and he took and he uh, smote the bear and the lion. And he took the sheep back. And uh, he said that, uh, I'm going to deal the same way with this giant. David's battle with Goliath was not his first rodeo. This was not his first battle. God had been with him before. And he had won those battles, so he was ready for another one. And and another thing to note here is those battles in the wilderness—they had been private. Uh, They had been where nobody else was watching. Nobody had seen him. And just like that, Jesus was taken into the wilderness. He was tempted. He went into the wilderness. He was tempted by Satan. He fought that battle. He fought a private battle, and he won that battle. He won, he the temp, overcame the temptation so that he could win a public battle on Calvary. David fought battles in private so that he was ready for the public battle with Goliath. The reason we're not winning our big battles is because we're losing little battles. Remember what Eliab had said about David's responsibilities, verse 28, verse 28. He said, hey David, basically. it's like, why don't you go back to your little sheep? Why don't you go back to your little flock in the wilderness? Those few sheep. Get back to your big job watching those few sheep. But God used David to defeat Goliath. He didn't use Eliab. He used David. He used David because he had been a faithful young man who was determined that even though the biggest responsibility happened to be the job of watching some lowly sheep, to be a lowly shepherd, he was going to do his best no matter what, no matter who was watching, no matter who saw it, no matter who cared. It may only be a few sheep, but it didn't matter because to him that was what his father had entrusted to him. And my friend, you're never going to be able to fight the big battles if you keep losing these little battles of temptation. When you're you're, uh, all by yourself and nobody else is watching you and nobody else is seeing what's going on, guess who's there? God is there. He knows what's going on. And also the Holy Spirit is there to help you. God's Spirit is there with you to help you. And you shouldn't be defeated over here and uh, losing these battles because God is with you. You we say, well, it only matters when, when everyone else is watching. It only matters that I fight the big battles. But you're not going to win those big battles. Luke 16.10, the Bible says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. I know people that will say, Pastor, and they're not, they're not faithful in, in many areas of their life, and maybe one area is giving. Pastor, when I win the lottery, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a new building for the church or something like that. You know, I'm going to add, I'm going to start giving. I'm going to start giving. And there's some people that have joked with me that they do give, I'm sure, but then there's others that, you know, are probably serious about this. Pastor, when I win the lottery, then I'll start giving. But if you're not giving now with your with a small amount why do you think that somehow you're going to become this uh christian who is is generous in giving to god with more money with a better situation maybe god doesn't bless those who are not faithful he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much we need to be faithful and consistent in smaller, less important areas, especially the areas that nobody sees. Because that's who you are. That's who you really are. Do you know who you are? Who you really are is who you are on the inside. So many Christians focus on the external. What did Jesus say about the Pharisees? He said, You are whited sepulchers. Ouch. You know? I didn't even say that today Jesus said that, okay I'm being nicer than Jesus Maybe I should be mean I'm saying Jesus said you are You're like a tomb That has been whitewashed Go to um, Some of our cemeteries around here There's some beautiful tombs It's kind of ironic to even say that I think a little bit That's You know who would say a beautiful grave But it looks nice on the outside, but I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to spend uh, five minutes at night. I'm not going to lay down in the grave, okay? I'm not going to go there. Until my day comes, I'm not going to spend any time in the cemetery because it's not a place I want to hang out. Because it's not, it's not a place of, of life, it's a place of death, okay? And uh, Jesus said, you're basically, he said, you are a grave. You're full of dead man's bones, But you look good on the outside. You look real good on the outside. And hypocrisy always looks good on the outside. But is phony and dead and it stinks on the inside. We need to be faithful and consistent where people don't even see. Heard a story about a, a uh, bank branch manager who was going to be promoted. He was going to be given a um, greater responsibility at his job. But this is a true story. And he was at a cafeteria and where you basically pick up your food, you go through the line, and then you pay for it at the end. What he didn't know was that while he was going through the line and he, was, uh, he took a pat of butter and he slid it under his bread so that nobody would see it. Just a few cents, you know, just cost him a few cents. He put it under the bread, nobody would see it, so he wouldn't have to pay for it at the end. What he didn't know was that the bank manager, the guy that was going to be giving him a promotion, or the guy above him, I should, the bank president, was behind him in line, and he saw what he did. This is the man that was, was going was gonna to give him a raise, that was going to give him a promotion, Let's give him greater responsibility. But he saw what he did, and guess what? He didn't do. He didn't give him the raise. He didn't give him the promotion. Because he said, if this guy is going to be deceitful when nobody's watching, he's not the kind of guy I want to have greater responsibility in my bank. God is watching us. We, we, We get so concerned about what people think about us. We're so concerned about what people see. But yet we don't give enough attention to what God only sees. Men and women of integrity care not just about what the outside looks like, but what the inside really is. Are we whole? Are we really the same inside and outside? Amen. We want our family to come to Christ or to get right with God, and that's a big thing. That's that's a big request And that's something we should all be working towards. And uh, we should ask God to do some big things. But if we're not willing to forgive people ourselves and get uh, things right with those, maybe some smaller areas, and we hold grudges, and uh, we shouldn't expect God to do something big for us when we're withholding something from him. God used David to defeat Goliath because he had been a faithful young man who had determined that even though the biggest responsibility happened to be uh, being a lowly shepherd, he was going to do his best no matter what. Uh, I think about some of the big battles of life. We want to win them. We want to have our children live for God. We want to uh, see people come to Christ. We're not going to win those big battles without winning the little battles first. David progressed from victory to victory to victory. And little opportunities. You might be saying, well, I want want grandma to come to Christ. Well, why don't you just start by going out soul winning? Okay? Be a soul winner. You might win somebody else's grandma to Christ. You might win several grandmas to Christ before your grandma comes to Jesus. You just got to be faithful with the opportunities that God gives you. Be faithful wherever you're at. Don't just say, well, you know, as soon as pastor asks me to preach, then I will, you know, I will take that opportunity. But until then, I'm not going to be involved in anything else in the church. As soon as pastor asks me to sing a solo, I will definitely do that. But until then, I'm not even going to be involved in choir. I'm not going to be involved in music in any other way. I'm not even going to show up to church. Um, And uh, we need to just be faithful, be faithful. You might say, well, uh, pastor, what am I supposed to do? do whatever your hand findeth to do and do it with all of your might. Do it with all of your might, all of your strength. There's, there's uh, needs all around our church. There's needs all around our community. You know, we say, well, nobody's, nobody's paying attention to those things. Nobody, sees the, nobody cares about who cleans the bathroom. You don't get an award for doing that, but does it need to be done? Nobody cares about the homeless. Well, do they need help? Do they need, uh, they need to be saved? Do they need to be fed? Do they need to be sheltered? Yes. All of those things that nobody really cares about, sees, looks at, gives acknowledgement for, all of those things are things that need to be done and possibly God has called you to do it. And if you, if you're, if you, if you see the need, God says you need to meet the need if you have the opportunity. If your hand has the opportunity to do something good, you should do it. Little opportunities progress to bigger opportunities. Don't wait for the big promotion before you start doing what is right. We see not only do we see uh, persistence, we see progression, and then lastly, we see power. Look at verse 38. The Bible says here, And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put on a, a helmet of brass upon his head. He also armed him with a coat of mail, and David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, and he had not proved it. And David said to himself, "I can't go without thee with these, for I have not proved them." And David put them off him. And David took his staff in his hand, and he chose them five smooth stones out of the brook, and he put them in a shepherd's bag, uh, which he had and even in a scrip, and with his, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine, and the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that had bared the shield with him was before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? Referring to his sling. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Now David didn't go against Goliath without a weapon. He did have a weapon. He had what he had proven. His sling and five smooth stones. Now I don't know why he Grabbed four extra stones since one was, was enough, but that's for another sermon, I guess. The point is, I believe he used a weapon, but his dependence was clearly not on the weapon. It was not on his armor, especially not on Saul's armor. We find David's secret weapon in verse number 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Praise God that a a young man stood up and said something. Amen? And uh, verse number 47. I'm sorry, 46. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee. And take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. God uses human instruments. God could have just as easily taken his pinky toe himself, and crushed the whole Philistine army, but he decided, I'm going to use this young man, because when God uses that which is impossible, that which is is small and insignificant, he gets all the glory, praise God, and he decided, I'm going to use this young man, I'm going to use an insignificant human instrument to do great things. Verse 47, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Verse forty-eight, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and he took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, and the stone sunk into his forehead and fell up, and he fell upon the earth upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and he smote the Philistine and he slew him but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head thereof or therewith. And when the Philistine saw that their, Philistine saw that their champion was dead, they fled. We say that David defeated Goliath but we know what really happened. God supernaturally empowered this young man he took uh, this teenager and he brought down God's enemy, the giant. He strengthened this young man's hand and he guided the stone to where it needed to go. 2 Corinthians ten three: "...for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh." For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God uses human instruments. We cannot negate that. God uses you. God uses me. God uses David. God uses all kinds of people to do his work, but uh, he he does it in a supernatural way. And so many times we think, well, I've got to give... I've, I've got to do my part and say what I want to say and I've got to give them a piece of my mind and I've got to just go uh, beat that person up because they're doing the wrong thing. No, God says first, let's, why don't we stop by praying? So let's start by praying. Let's stop and pray. Pray. What is God's will here? And uh, we all are going to face these giants. We all see these giants that are dressed up, uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil, are dressed up uh, in pride Maybe. Uh, we see pride. We deal with that in our life, the giant of pride. And it, it's always, uh, many times, it, it will be in a uh, relationship situation. Somebody says something and, uh, it, and it hurts our pride. Well, pride is the giant that we need to fight spiritually, but it's manifesting itself in a relationship with somebody saying something. Uh, maybe the, pride, uh, uh, the giant, I'm sorry, of selfishness, the giant of selfishness. That can manifest itself in many physical ways. Laziness, dishonesty. Now these are all giants, but we deal with them, where we see them uh, in the flesh. Maybe it's resentment, anger, bitterness, fear, jealousy, uh, insecurity, loneliness, depression, worry, addictions. Now these are spiritual giants, they show up in physical relationships, they show up in our emotions, sometimes with the addictions it's a physical dependence, it's maybe a a mental problem, there's a mental issue here, but we know these are in many ways very tangible giants, these are tangible things, but they have to be fought in the power of God. They're not going to be defeated maybe with some smooth stones, uh, but We need to be prayed up and have God's power. Whatever it is that God directs us to do, there are are many things that God will direct you to do to defeat these giants, but you have to have God's mind on this. Not our thoughts, not our ways, but God's thoughts. What is His will on defeating your giant? Prayer is not just letting your mind wander and you come up with some kind of like heavenly shopping list of things that you want God to do for you. No, prayer is getting yourself in line with God's will. You are submitting to God. It's saying, God, go ahead. I'm giving you the green light to do your work through me, to do your work in me, in my life, so that you can do a work through me. Prayer, somebody said, is the arrow that is aimed at the enemy. Uh, David didn't come down to the battle to trash talk the Philistines. He wasn't all talk and no walk. He was he was saying what is going on. He initially said some things, but then he said, "My God is bigger than this uh, than this giant. My God is bigger than this man." Uh, David was a spiritual young man who had seen the power of God before. He was a young man of integrity. He didn't just talk. A big talk. He really was who he said he was and who he projected to be, He was projecting to be. The average person is going to quit before they start. The average person has big dreams, but they don't do anything to accomplish what God has called them to do. Many times we want to talk about what God could do. We come to church and we say, amen, Pastor. We know God is great. God is all-powerful, yes, and we sing about it. We sing, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. We sing, uh, there shall be showers of blessing. We want all of that. We want to see God's power. We want to see God's work. But a person of integrity, a real Christian who who not only says things and sings things, things through their mouth but really believes it in their heart and really trusts God in their heart a person of an integrity will not just talk a good talk they will be persistent and they will say, the word of God is the word of God, and it doesn't change, and so I'm going to keep going ahead, and I'm going to keep going forward. God has led me to this, and I'm going to keep on, and keep on until he calls me to something else. They're going to be persistent. They're not only going to be persistent, but they're going to be consistent. They're going to say, God has done so many things in the past. God has won so many victories and battles in my life that he cannot lose. And I know that he's going to bring me through through this battle too. This battle is bigger than the other ones. This battle might be bigger than all the other battles combined, but I'm going to be a consistent Christian and a consistent follower of God. I'm going to consistently trust in God that he's going to defeat this giant as well. A person of integrity, a Christian of integrity is also going to be God dependent. They're not going to default to their flesh. They're not going to say, well, I'm going to just, you know, I'm just going to get by. I'm going to do my best, and I'm only human, so, uh, you know, humans can only do so much. How big is our God? How big is your God? Do you just have some big dreams, or do you really want God to do something in your life? I thought about going to Psalm 3, Psalm 63. David talks a lot about wanting to see God's power, knowing that God is powerful, that his trust is in him. He said things like 10,000 people have been, (laughs) there's 10,000 that have come against me. You know that Ahab, his own son, David's son, uh, by the advice of Ahithophel, uh, took 12,000 men and was gonna come against David, was chasing David. David had a lot of things going against him with Saul and other battles that he fought after Goliath. But he always put his trust in the Lord. We got to have some Christians that aren't just all talk. We got to have some Christians that actually really trust the Lord. And don't give up when it gets tough. I know that you're going to go through some things. You're going you're to go through some deep valleys. And I'm going to go through some deep valleys. And there's going to be times where I'm going to want to quit. And you're going to want to quit. But how big is our God? It better be more than just some Sunday go to meeting type of thing where this is just what we do. This is what I was raised to do. This is our social get together every week. My friend, you need God. You need the church. You need need spiritual strength in your life. Are we people of integrity? Do we really live out? Are we living out what's really on the inside? Now, if your inside's not right, get your inside right. First of all, come to know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. You need to have a relationship with God. You need to start taking some steps of obedience after you're saved. If you're not baptized, get baptized. Nothing should hold you back from that. Say, well, you you know, well, it's not convenient. Well, do what's inconvenient. Uh, you need to be a member of a good church. Well, I'm still waiting to find the right one. Well, then ask God to give you some clear direction today and just say, I'm going to make a decision one way or the, one way or the other. I'm going to this church, so I buy, might as well join this church. I don't take it that lightly, but what I'm saying is, if you're coming here, this is your church. So make a commitment. If you're saying, well, I, I don't know how to go soul winning. I, I know that we should be wit- witnessing and we should be evangelized, but I don't know how to do it. Well, that's a giant that you need to defeat in your life. You need God's power over that. And say, God, help me. If you like, well, I just wish I had the, uh, a winsome personality. And uh, I wish I was like all those other people that go soul winning because they're just experts. And we'll just leave it up to them because they're so good at it. Guess what? There's probably not one person that goes out soul winning that is, uh, is doing it without a little bit of fear and intrepidation most weeks. Don't necessarily like like to uh, confront people with uh, something that most people don't want to talk about, but it's what we're supposed to do. God called us to witness, to be a uh, a voice for God. We're doing Christ's work here on earth. Jesus is in heaven. He's preparing a place for us. But he said, I'm leaving you here. I'm leaving the Holy Spirit with you to do this work of evangelism. I've given you power. I've commissioned you to go. So if we're not doing it, guess what? we're giving into a, a giant. We're being defeated. We're being defeated. I'm not saying you have to be there at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning, although if you can be there, we would love to have you, but you should be an outspoken Christian wherever you are, a witness for Christ. Defeat that giant. Ask God for help. Don't just, don't just uh, sing songs and say words and uh, be convicted about it. You need to go, and I need to go. A purse of integrity Will be real from the inside out. We need some people to, to be consistent, persistent, and God empowered Christians. Father, I pray that you'd help us today. Lord, I know that we need we need your help. And I don't know always how to put these things into words. God, I know that uh, your Spirit is working. And so, I do pray that you would help us today, Father. I pray that you would be with anybody here that is not saved. first of all, I pray for the lost. God, I pray that you would um, bring deep conviction to the hearts of the lost because we love them, you love them, and there is no hope outside of Christ, and so we do pray that you would um help them to express their need, that we could help them, maybe counsel them through the word. But if they know what to do, Lord, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. And in our invitation that they would come and receive receive Christ. I pray for anybody that is, uh, Lord, being discouraged. Maybe there's family. Maybe there's some people in their life that think they know everything and they're just discouraging. There's people that are are holding them back in some way or another. I pray that uh, if there's anyone like that in, the, in this congregation, Father, I pray that today they would they would hold to the truth of God's word and the conviction that they've received to do your will and they would say, I'm going to do God's will no matter what. I'm not going to listen to my peers. I'm not going to listen to the experts. I'm not going to listen to family or even leadership that's going the wrong way. I'm going to do the right thing. The right attitude, the right spirit without hypocrisy or arrogance, but I'm going to just do the right thing. Help them today to have courage to move forward. To take the stand that they need to take, whatever that might be. I pray for maybe a Christian here today that is just, uh, they're defeated in their private life. There's some things that, some battles that they're just not dealing with. And uh, God, they're not going to be able to fight the bigger battles until they get some victory. Those small things, whatever the habit might be, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, alcohol or cigarettes or drugs or maybe it's something, even a little smaller, maybe it's uh Uh, just some attitudes that they're carrying. I pray for those that are maybe struggling with uh, their viewing. I pray that you would help help those people that are maybe privately struggling with some things that today they would say, I can do the right thing. Because I know Paul said, I can do all things because of Jesus. I can do all things through him. That's where our strength and power comes from. I pray that you would um, bless those today that are trying to do right, but they're, they're needing just another, another shot in the arm. They need a little bit of encouragement. I pray as a church that we band together that we would stop playing church. We would stop putting on a show, but this would be a place where broken people can come together and they can find help, not... Uh, God, where we're condoning anything that's wrong, but we love those that are sinning, love those that are in sin to Christ so that they have victory. I pray that people that come here would change and would leave changed. I pray that would be our kind of uh, ministry, that we would continue that. I pray that you bless every aspect of this invitation, whether it's for the lost or for the saved. I pray that many would come